Boo doo 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 doo. There was a podcast called the Sequel Cast. They talked about movies. And they talked about something else called boobies. The Sequel Cast. It's the Sequel Cast. It's the Sequel Cast. www.sequelcast.com. Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast, episode 10. The Sequel Cast is a podcast where we review movies in a franchise one movie at a time. This time around we're in the middle of a animated J.R.R. Tolkien uh, trilogy of sorts, and we are going to be talking about Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings, a uh, animated cartoon came out in 1978. It only covers about the first book and most of the second one. With me, I have special guest Tom Bombadil. Hello! And special guest Thrasher. Howdy. I just want to see if you can remember, when was the first time you saw Ralph Bakshi's animated take on Lord of the Rings? This is the first time I've seen the whole picture, but I remember uh, years ago I was on a summer family reunion, and we stayed at some cabin we had rented out by the beach. I guess it's not a cabin, but a condo. And in the basement, uh, next to a, a big TV, was a videotape of this uh, Lord of the Rings. And I was excited because I had read some of the books and, and stuck it in the VCR and fell asleep uh, five minutes later. Well, see, I was in high school, and I remember seeing the weird shadow play on my TV and then uh, changing the channel because I didn't realize what it was until many years later at college, finally actually seeing the whole movie and kind of, so, so this is the first time I've actually seen it all the way through. And even that's a lie because I fast-forwarded through a lot of it. And uh, you, Thrasher? In, in my case, the first time I saw this film, was it was actually uh, broadcast on the Cartoon Network in the late 90s. Uh, they used to have Mr. Zim's Cartoon Theater where they would show animated features. And for one month, they were just showing animated fantasy epics. So, of course, they showed The Hobbit. They showed Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, uh, Flight of Dragons, which uh, a lot of films we've mentioned uh, in, in the course of these reviews. You're talking about the visual style. And we mentioned uh, last episode when we talked about the Rankin-Bass uh, animated Hobbit cartoon, how that had a real lush visual style. And when we talk about Ralph Bakshi... Bakshi. I'm going to fuck up his name a lot during this episode. It's Bakshi. Yeah, I always get that confused. His visual style, you can't say Bakshi without saying rotoscoping. Uh, Ralph Bakshi, he's worked in animation for for ages. He did the original Spider-Man cartoon back in the 60s. And since then, he's really made it a point to try to do animation for an adult audience. And and I'm not talking about adult as in raunchy or dirty, although that's how a lot of his work is is stereotyped. But adult as an intellectual. Uh, He did heavy traffic, hey, good looking. Rotoscoping is where you film everything live action and then you animate on top of it. But you're doing more than just tracing. You're giving details and caricature to the characters, but it allows you to have, like you said, more realistic movement, and really it's not so different from what's done in a lot of CG movies today like Avatar, where it's motion capture. And and that's actually what brings us to the downside of rotoscoping. Sometimes the action can be so real you run into uncanny valley problems. The animated figures will move so much like a live action figure, and there may be certain nuances that, can't, that don't transfer from live action to animation, that you can create an image which looks thoroughly unreal in motion. And I think that also kind of works in this for some of the parts, but for a lot of them they were also throwing, just because they, maybe also because some of the costume choices, they were meant for, 
I don't know what they really meant for, but there were some that looked like they had just thrown a net over a person, and they didn't really fit the trolls. They didn't fit, like Gollum's costume. In the beginning, when they're talking about Gollum and Bilbo, it actually looked worse than the lined and b-balled motion capture suit for Andy Serkis, who played, of course, Gollum in The Lord of the Rings for Peter Jackson. When they have it in the beginning, when they're talking about the war uh, between the forces of good and evil, Sauron, it's like two minutes you encapsulate in a war the costuming kind of didn't really show anything except maybe a crown or two and some weapons, and I think there was an elf because he was wearing a skirt. But it looked like there were only seven actors for this huge war. How many people do you really need, especially when you're doing a shadow play? I think that beginning prologue is one of the most interesting parts uh, visually of the movie. As you said, it's done entirely with shadows in, in front of kind of a red mesh background. It looks very unique, certainly unlike anything I've seen before. It's just such a striking opening that it's almost jarring when it switches to the uh, more traditional animated look of the rest of the film. I actually would, I would have been alright if the entire movie was done that way. I would love to watch on a two-hour-long shadow play, because sometimes I think that works. And again, in the beginning, it did work up until about the Gollum part. What did you guys think about some of the uh, character designs? Because it's certainly very different than the Rankin-Bass, um, Hobbit, and Return of the King cartoons. I like Gandalf. I really actually like the big billowing beard of him and Sauron. Wasn't so crazy about the Hobbits. I think a lot of the Hobbits did look interchangeable. I really like how uh, Samwise Gamgee looked. Oh, Samwise Gamgee, I think, was one of the best realized characters in this film. He looks like a, like a hunchback. What are you talking about? No, he does look like a hunchback. He has a, he has a big he has a big nose. He looks like a, a retarded slob. And in in spite of all that, I think that's what gives him character. He is really like a lower class made for Frodo, if anything. You know, before he goes in this adventure. This 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 innocent, wide-eyed, bashful country bumpkin. Those aspects of his character are really played up. I mean, this is a person who spent his whole life in the Shire. Now he gets to see the big city. And if this was a modern film, we'd see him walking days on the streets of New York as neon signs flash by. With The Hobbit, we had talked about how we enjoyed a lot of the voice cast. Uh, do you have any similar feelings about the voice cast in this uh, animated Lord of the Rings? One thing that I thought was fascinating was that, that Anthony Daniels, Mr. C-3PO, is Legolas. And I did not know it was him. But I have a, I have, I have a question for you guys. Who do you like best? Brother Jerome, Peter Woodthorpe, or Andy Serkis as Gollum? I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to say Brother. I just love the voice and the look of how Gollum looked in that uh, Hobbit animated cartoon. It's just so distinctive, kind of monstrous looking. In this uh, animated Lord of the Rings, Gollum looks like a, a goblin or something, which I think looks fine. But I, I do feel in the Peter Jackson movies, the Andy Serkis Gollum looks too uh, human looking. You emphasize with the Gollum in uh, Peter Jackson's because he looks more human because he has a softer voice and he has parts where he has a lighter tone because he's kind of happy but then he goes back into his dark bitterness um, Peter Woodthorpe's voice I, I just really couldn't get my I couldn't get my head around it I guess maybe because I do have some bias and again with the, with the character drawing it reminded me more of the Gargoyle uh, was it Brooklyn from Gargoyles because he had like the little ridges on his head and, and the same kind of color. And that was another thing that I noticed about the art style, is that everybody had more solid colors. Uh, in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, 
uh, when Frodo offers to give the ring to Galadriel to keep it, and she gives that whole speech about, you know, what what would happen if she had the ring, what kind of queen she'd be. And yeah. as she tells the speech, she gets louder and louder. Eventually, energy is, is crackling around her, and it's just the heavens are about to be split asunder. And then in, when that scene happens in this in, in this movie, in Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings, uh, Galadriel just very conversationally, very calmly says, with the exact same words, says why she shouldn't have the ring. And I actually kind of find that more effective. It's like she's a reasonable person who knows why she shouldn't have the ring. Whereas in Peter Jackson's version, she kind of comes off as a bit of a mad woman. But Bilbo in this film is played by Billy Barty, who actually is a hobbit. And you also see Billy Barty in the uh, the pub scene, which actually makes me wonder. They have the pub scene, and there's a whole bunch of humans uh, just rotoscoped and, um, and also filmed regularly. Why include the actual real-life uh, dwarves when the hobbits are supposed to be the smallest people there? It certainly gives a distinctive look to see the live action with sort of a some painted color filters over on top of them. But I also noticed later in the movie, as it goes on in some of the uh, very long battle sequences, instead of animating over every character, you just see a bunch of live-action characters running around, and it's pretty inconsistent. I'm not just talking about the uh, the orcs, but also at, at, at times when the hobbits or Gandalf are running around in those battle sequences, you can see it's clearly like live-action for part of it and animated for other parts. Whenever there's a a battle sequence in, in a Bakshi fantasy epic, the generic soldiers are usually just barely rotoscoped live-action humans with some extra cloth draped over them. I don't like Aragorn's design. He looks grotesque. Again, a lot of these characters, I feel, look very grotesque. I like that. He looks like a real medieval human being. I like that kind of gritty realism that works its way into a lot of the character designs. With uh, The Hobbit, I, I felt like I was looking at a, at a gorgeous fantasy painting where with the animated Lord of the Rings, it's like I'm looking at a really good comic book. 1970s Jack Kirby backgrounds? Ah, uh, well, Jack Kirby, Savage Sword of Conan, that kind of thing. Alex Toth. This animated Lord of the Rings cost $4 million, and the amount it made was uh, $30 million. But the studio wouldn't pay for a part two. The film was originally intended to be distributed as the Lord of the Rings part one, but UA said no. They never indicated that the sequel would follow. It's not, I was reading a few things about this, and it sounds like Ralph Bakshi, when he was making it, was pretty fed up with all the, the hoops he had to go through with making this movie, maybe because it was a studio film. Well, that could be said for any studio film he's worked on. <laughs> oh, sure. Uh, this movie has an orchestral score by Leonard Rosenman, but Bakshi wanted to have music by Led Zeppelin, all through the picture. What? No, no. Wow. Do you, you imagine that? The the, uh, the, yes. the Asgol come riding over the hill. Ah! Can I talk a little bit about the uh, the writers? Conklin. This is the script was based off a adaptation by Conklin, uh, who is actually a Latter Day Saint and has written works on Joseph Smith. So he is more than qualified to handle the adaptation of a magical and fantastic piece of fiction, um, like Lord of the Rings. And he, he wrote this he wrote this script and then Beagle uh, took it. They bought it Peter for S. I think Beagle. Let, let's be clear. Peter S. Beagle, uh, who was the author of The Last Unicorn, Last both Unicorn. the novel and the film. 
you do see a lot of uh, orcs in this movie that they fight, and I think their look is pretty interesting. They're almost more like glowing eyes underneath a big suit of armor. They're very feral looking. Yes, with the pointed teeth. Do you think that was cost effective? Because I think I think it actually was an inspired choice. I liked I liked a lot of the glowing eyes, and again, it's kind of a cheap way to do it, but it also does make an impact. I did enjoy during the fight scene between Gandalf and Saruman how their spells are pretty much just lens flares going towards each other. Ooh, yeah, that kind of was cheap. That that, that was not inspired at all. I would have preferred... Well, um, how do we know they're really casting uh, offensive spells? How do we know they're not just showing off, trying to intimidate the other? The film's length overall is uh, 133 minutes, so just a little bit over two hours. Do you think they should have made this movie shorter? Did it feel... Like, for me, I think this movie felt really long. I did not fast-forward to watch it. Like a I sort of felt long. It's probably about the right length. I mean, yes, this movie seems long, but only because it is long, not because there's huge, boring stretches. There's a lot packed into this movie. They, they leave out the Tom Bombadil section of the Old Forest. I have to say this. Even, even when I was reading The Lord of the Rings... That Tom Bombadil section made the novel screech to a lyrical halt. Really? <laughs> well, to clarify, in the book Fellowship of the Ring, the first of the three uh, Lord of the Rings books, the hobbits leave the Shire to begin their journey, and shortly thereafter run across a dancing, prancing, musical fat man named Tom Bombadil, who uh, sings a few songs and feeds them breakfast and sends, sends them on their way. You could take that out of the book and no one would notice. You know you know what that's like? Take Star Wars A New Hope. Imagine you're watching Star Wars A New Hope and for, for 10 minutes, about 20 minutes into the movie, for 10 minutes, for no reason whatsoever, Jar Jar Binks shows up and does antics and while all the other characters just watch and then he leaves. That's what Tom Bombadil section is like. Tom Bombadil is to Lord of the Rings as Jar Jar Binks is to Star Wars. I always wish Tom Bombadil would make a return at the end, near the end of Return of the King, where Gollum is running away with the ring. Tom Bombadil just kind of traipses on in the middle of Mordor doing a sauna dance routine and accidentally kicks Gollum in the ring off the edge of the cliff. I think, you know, when... Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien was writing Fellowship of the Ring. He, he has this very long beginning in Hobbiton, and as the Hobbits are starting to leave, he's like, hmm, what's the first thing they can do in their journey? How about they meet a musical fat man? Yeah, yeah, that'll help them. It's like Joseph Campbell's uh, structures in stories. There, There is the hero, there is the, the, there is the sage, there's the singing fat, fat man who gives you breakfast. <laughs> Right. So, so yeah, so again, that's one of the ways the movie is better than the novel. These two animated movies, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, are a more accurate depiction of Dungeons and Dragons than the Dungeons and Dragons movie, which has a sequel, and maybe we'll do those. Is is the Lord of the Rings, you know, a, a, a fitting sequel slash successor slash what have you to the Hobbit? Well, we'll, we'll look for the animated Hobbit transitioning uh, to the okay. animated Lord of the Rings. I gotta say, I think they're completely different. I mean, they're done by two different guys. They're done by, the scripts are done by two different guys, or three different guys, I should say. Um, the voice actors are different. There's nobody really connected to them um, other than the fact that they're from the same source material. Is it successful as a sequel? I would say no, but I would love it if by, by itself. I'd actually like it better if this one had a sequel done in the same style. 
Would you watch a sequel to this? Would you watch the other half? If Ralph Bakshi were to do the sequel, I think I'd still yeah. watch it. I really enjoy Ralph Bakshi, and I would like to see where he would have taken this had he done another another segment. Uh, yeah, again, the, the, just there's things that we missed out that might have been better than the first one. Hey, the sequel could have been better, especially after him reading all the critical reviews of the first. Maybe he would have done a better job, or maybe. Do you think we should call up Bakshi and tell him to get started? Well, right now, Bakshi is, as he has been for the past several years, has been trying to get a new project, The Last Days of Coney Island, off the ground. I don't think he'll go back to Lord of the Rings until after he's done with that. Oh, hey, I've got, I've got something fun for you. Alan Tilvern, who plays the innkeeper in The Lord of the Rings, where have you all might have seen him before? Are well, you talking Peter Jackson's or in this one? No, I'm, talking about, I'm only talking about the animated one. That's what we're here to talk about today. Uh, no, I'll tell you what. Uh, well, you might know him as Downtown Bum Number 2 in Little Shop of Horrors, or as R.K. Maroon in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh my god, huh. I remember the bump. I remember R.K. Maroon. One uh, bit of trivia that's interesting is in 1981, the uh, BBC produced a very lengthy uh, adaptation of Lord of the Rings as a radio play, and some of the voices from this... Bakshi, Lord of the Rings, did their same voices in the BBC radio play from 1981, including Peter Woodthorpe, who played Gollum. How did you feel about the score by Leonard Rosenman? Oh, that's actually, I do want to talk about that. I like that there aren't these massive clips of poetry and songs like in The Hobbits. At first, I missed them, and then I was kind of happy that I didn't have to hear them. You know, there, there, there's no musical numbers. Instead, you just have this nice, haunting score, which which for the most part stays in the background, but every now and then punctuates uh, the action. I do think in some ways this score is a lot less bombastic than the score by Howard Shore in the Peter Jackson live-action Lord of the Rings movies, where in some of the fight scenes you have such loud orchestra and choral things that it really overtakes any sound effects. Or I'm not describing it very well, but you know what I'm talking about? The action is overtaken by the noise. Annette Crosby, who plays Galadriel uh, in the animated Lord of the Rings, she's Miss uh, she's Miss Angelo in the new Doctor Who. Would you recommend Ralph Bakshi's animated Lord of the Rings? I think everybody should see it once. I would only really recommend it to to animation buffs. I did really enjoy it. I enjoy all the craft in it, but that is in part because I'm an animation buff and I very much admire Ralph Bakshi and everything he has done for animation. Those are probably the people who would benefit the most from seeing that. I think if you read all three Lord of the Rings novels by J.R.R. Tolkien, you would have an easier time watching this movie. Otherwise, it might be way too much information thrown at you in two hours. Um, and you know it's missing. Right, yeah, and you know you know all the missing parts, like Tom Bombadil's fantastic son dance sequence. <laughs> Uh, another musical number in a novel. I think this animated Lord of the Rings is okay. If I was to recommend a Ralph Bakshi for someone to watch, I'd say you might be better off watching American Pop. I'd watch uh, Wizards. Oh, I like is... Wizard Pop. <laughs> Did you say Wizard Pop? No, I like Wizards a lot. And, 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 and to be clear, this is, this is Wizards by Ralph Bakshi, not The Wizard, which was a movie about a kid who played Nintendo. So to be sure to check out our website at www.sequelcast.com. Send us an email at sequelcast at gmail.com and check out our Twitter feed at twitter.com slash sequelcast. This is Uncle Milkshake. And Jersey Jason. You mean Tom Bombadil. Yes, I mean Tom Bombadil. And this is Thrasher. Saying, Just throw me in Mount Doom. I'll bite your finger and hold on to the ring.